Hello and welcome to the Royal College Psychiatrist podcast with me, Ella Marchant. Amidst COVID-19, we spoke to two psychiatrists who were working during the outbreak, Dr John Golden and Professor Neil Greenberg, to get a clearer picture of how we can support people with mental health needs during the pandemic and how we can feel less isolated in a time of self-isolation. Our first interview is with Dr John Golden, who is a consultant child and adolescent psychiatrist working as head of the Mildred Creek Unit at Great Ormond Street Hospital in London. John specialises in eating disorders, psychosomatic disorders and inpatient psychiatry. He is also Vice Chair of the Child and Adolescent Faculty here at the Royal College of Psychiatrists. We want to speak to him about having an open discourse with children and young people regarding the coronavirus and how we could offer support to children with pre-existing mental health needs, such as OCD. So coronavirus has become a really difficult time for everyone. What might it be like for children and young people who were already experiencing anxiety before the pandemic? I think it's a really difficult time for young people and for adults and the population generally. I think it's a scary time. A lot of people are feeling very anxious, uh, worried about the future. There's a lot of information that's out there. Some of it is accurate, some of it is less accurate. So it's really important to sort of distinguish between what is accurate and what isn't so accurate. But I think people are really feeling uncertain as well because in a way, even the scientists don't know exactly what's gonna happen. So we need to be talking to each other, supporting each other, and young people need to have the opportunity to ask questions and get the facts as far as we know them from their parents, from teachers, from trusted adults that are around them. And what would your advice be to help children and young people through this time? Well, I think it's really important that young people have the opportunity to ask people like their parents, like their teachers, what's going on and and have their questions answered and be able to share how they're feeling. We're all feeling somewhat anxious, so it's quite normal to feel anxious. Uh, But we also need to try and keep things in perspective. And young people in their imagination sometimes make things worse than they really are. So let's try and, you know, discuss the facts, discuss what we need to do to keep ourselves as safe as possible. There's a lot of good information out there uh, from the government, from health agencies about things like regular hand washing, uh, washing your hands for at least 20 seconds, uh, many times a day, regularly. Uh, You could sing Happy Birthday twice while you're washing your hands or Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or God Save the Queen, whatever you want to do, but, you know, wash your hands regularly. If you're coughing and sneezing, do it into your elbow or do it into a tissue and throw the tissue away. So these are basic health advice that we all need to adhere to as far as possible. I think young people might be worried about their elderly relatives particularly. I mean, the advice that is out there is that young people, if they get this illness, and, and many of us, to be honest, will get this illness, young people and adults don't tend to get the illness severely, but it's the elderly people and people who are vulnerable that are more at risk. So I think young people might be worried about their grannies and grandpas and need to be reassured about that as far as possible, that their grannies and grandpas will keep themselves as safe as they can. So if we all follow the sensible guidance and advice that's out there, then we'll all be able to keep each other as safe as possible. So for parents parents or caregivers, whose children experience panic attacks. I'm sure they would really appreciate your advice right now. Yeah, I think if you're prone to anxiety anyway, the current situation makes things even worse. So let's try and keep things in perspective. Uh, It's right, one is right to be anxious at the moment, but let's not overdo it. And I think young people really take their cue from their parents. Um, If the parent is panicking and is extremely anxious, the young person will feel this is really serious, I I need to be extremely anxious as well. As parents, as adults, we need to try and be calm, try and reassure, but reassure in an honest way, 
So not to pretend that everything's absolutely fine and there's no problem, because clearly there is a global issue with this pandemic, but also let's try and keep things into perspective as much as possible. Yeah, I really like what you were saying about anxiety and anxiety cues. You definitely learn anxiety from the people around you. Uh, what kind of language can we use to support younger people at this time? Well, I think we want to encourage young people to ask questions, uh, not to sort of say to them that everything's absolutely fine and there's nothing to worry about, because I don't think that is an honest response from a parent or from a, from a teacher. I think we need to uh, say, yes, there is a problem at the moment. There are sensible precautions that we can take. Uh, I think it's worth reminding young people that if they get the illness, and many young people will get this illness, coronavirus, they're likely to get it in a very mild way, in a self-limiting way. Our bodies have really good immune systems, and if we stay healthy, and we eat healthily, and we make sure we get plenty of sleep, this will help strengthen our immune system. So I think that's a good message to get across to young people, that they have good immune systems, and they will fight this off if they do get the illness. So another thing I would like to say is that there are a lot of uh, clever scientists and health professionals that are working very hard uh, to get a vaccine for this illness, to protect us, to offer the best advice around the world. And so many, many people are making sure that we keep ourselves as safe as possible. Okay, amazing. So as a parent or caregiver, how would you speak to slightly older children who are in their teen years? Well, I think it's important that parents take their cue from their sons and daughters uh, as far as possible and really convey that they are available and open to their uh, son or daughter asking questions and to give them honest, uh, straightforward advice and answers. So don't sugarcoat the message, don't say everything's going to be absolutely fine, there's nothing to worry about because that's not reality. And uh, teenagers will be, and young people as well, will be looking at people in the street sometimes wearing face masks. It's a very unusual situation. And they'll say, why are they wearing a face mask? Do I need to wear a face mask? So these are very valid concerns and anxieties that we should answer honestly. As far as the face mask, mask issue goes, the World Health Organization and, and various uh, organizations have said that that is not a helpful uh, public health measure and it doesn't actually help to protect people. So some people are more anxious than others, but we don't need to be doing that kind of thing. I think people respond to these kind of uh, situations in different ways. Sometimes it brings out the best in people, sometimes it can bring out the worst in people. We know that there are people who are panic buying, things like toilet rolls and, and not being, you know, very much thinking about other people being very selfish. And obviously what we want to try and do is bring out the best in people, for people to be kind to each other, for people to support each other, and pe for people to try and help keep each other safe. Yeah, definitely. So so many younger people now have smartphones which obviously is relatively new and they've got a lot of access to social media and news just instantly well i think there's a lot that's been spoken about coronavirus on social media and some of it is very accurate helpful information and some of it is rumor mongering scaremongering and inaccurate information so i think it's really important to sift through uh, what is accurate and what is scaremongering there are very helpful sites online, such as Young Minds, Minded by the Royal College of Psychiatrists has some useful information, NHS 111 and Reliable Government Sources, World Health Organization have useful information. But there is a lot out there which is not accurate. So I think as parents you should be talking to your young person, your child or your teenager about what they're viewing online, what they're hearing, and trying to think about what is actually accurate and what might not be so accurate. 
I think there's also quite a lot of blaming going on, particularly online and on social media, and nobody specifically is to blame for this. There's no racial group or no country that is to blame for this, and that is not helpful. We are in this together. This virus affects every human being potentially on this planet, and we need to be working together to stay as safe as we can, to support each other and to be kind to each other. So during lockdown, how can we make sure that the home is a nice place to be and how can we make it feel comfortable for younger people and the whole family really? So you need to try and make home as comfortable a place as possible. It's an opportunity to relax. Maybe it's an opportunity to catch up on those box sets that you've missed out on. Of course, you can look at social media, but we need to be sensible about, you know, uh, thinking about what's accurate on social media and what's not accurate. Maybe it's a time to catch up with your family, catch up with friends, but in a virtual way, online and, and via social media. So, and also perhaps you could play games, do some reading, do some housework, catch up with all that tidying up that you've been meaning to do. So there's lots of things that you could be doing at home that you might not otherwise have a chance to do. And for children who experience OCD, how can we make extra efforts to support them? I think it's a really difficult time to be a young person with OCD at the moment because some people with OCD, for example, wash their hands excessively and a lot of the work that they will be doing with their psychologist or therapist will be to help them not to wash their hands too frequently. Nowadays, of course, with coronavirus, the public health message, which is very important, is that we all wash our hands multiple times each day for at least 20 seconds. So for someone with OCD, that is quite a mixed message. So yes, it's important to wash your hands regularly. Hygiene is very important, particularly at the moment. Not sharing food with others uh, as far as possible, not going to crowded areas is important. But if you're washing your hands so frequently that they're becoming dry and chapped, and maybe bleeding, you will actually be increasing your risk of infection. So yes, it's important to wash your hands, but within certain limits. And of course, you can use uh, moisturizer or hand cream if they are becoming a little bit dry. I think it's important also to remember that the diagnostic criteria for OCD haven't changed. So it's not that we've all suddenly developed OCD. We're just following sensible advice that's out there. And if you do have OCD, your symptoms might be exacerbated at the moment. You might be on medication. SSRIs are often used to treat uh, OCD and you need to continue that medication. You will often be having CBT or other forms of psychological therapy to support you. And it's important to continue that if you are in treatment. Although it's worth mentioning that increasingly nowadays and over the next few months, it's likely that, that appointments with psychologists or psychiatrists might be increasingly virtual appointments. They might be done via Skype or Zoom or online in some way. And online resources can be really helpful, particularly at a time like this. So I think that's something that we should all keep in mind. So at the moment, all services, all health services are really stretched. So what would your advice be for younger people or parents of younger people? I think the advice that I've given about having open conversations, about supporting each other, about following government advice and World Health Organization advice stands whether you've got a pre-existing health condition or whether you don't. Of course, we need to particularly look out for people who are vulnerable. Some people have pre-existing respiratory conditions. Some people are particularly prone to anxiety. So it's really a time that we need to watch out for each other, support each other, be kind to each other. I think this is a, it is a global health pandemic. It is something of an emergency. We do need to respond sensibly, but we also need to be kind to each other, to support each other, to remember that we're actually very interconnected. Perhaps this is a kind of reminder how in interconnected we all are as a world. We're living in uncertain times and this is a global health emergency 
but we need to be making sure that we're sharing accurate information, that we're doing our very best to keep each other safe, that we are talking to each other about our worries and concerns, and that we're caring for loved ones. That's amazing, thank you so much. Next, we spoke to Professor Neil Greenberg. Neil is a consultant, occupational and forensic psychiatrist who specialises in military and veterans' mental health, disaster mental health and post-traumatic stress disorder. Neil is currently the Professor of Defence Mental Health at King's College London and is a fellow here at the Royal College of Psychiatrists. In our interview, we wanted to discuss generalised anxiety disorder, OCD, and how we can reach out to older people who may already feel isolated. This time, I think a lot of people are experiencing worry and potentially mislabeling it as anxiety or anxiety disorder. So could you explain the difference between worrying and having generalised anxiety disorder? So many of us worry at times of great uncertainty, and um, this is just one of those sorts of times. Um, and one aspect of worrying is developing anxiety. So anxiety is made up of a number of different components. It um, often starts with the thoughts that we have. What's going to happen? I don't know how it's going to affect me. Am I going to die? Those sorts of um, strong thoughts. And that leads to us having um, emotions. Emotions such as feeling scared or feeling apprehensive. Um, many of them which actually are, are quite unpleasant. Um, it also changes our behaviour, so we might not go out, we might be uh, less likely to speak to other people, um, and it also can actually cause physical symptoms. So when you have anxiety, you may end up um, feeling uh, shaky, uh, feeling that your breathing's not good, um, and in these current climate, it's probably likely you might feel that you have a cough or, or that you're becoming unwell. And so you put those um, different aspects together, that's what anxiety is. And of course, many of us uh, experience anxiety very regularly before a job interview, before an exam, going to meet someone we don't know. Uh, and anxiety in that sense can be really normal and, and isn't by itself something that we should be concerned about. The real issue with anxiety is when it becomes either so persistent or severe that it leads us to, to alter our lives in a way that's not helpful. So if you can't sleep for one night, for instance, maybe that's not such a surprise. But if you're constantly getting you know, three or four hours sleep a night, um, then that would be a problem. So the difference between normal anxiety and an anxiety disorder is when it starts to impair your life or the lives of those around you. Now, there are many different sorts of anxiety disorders, such as obsessive compulsive disorder, generalised anxiety disorder, social phobia, and, and so forth. Um, and particularly around this sort of time, it, it's likely that people who have had those sorts of problems in the past are going to be more vulnerable to have um, recurrences of them um, just at the moment. Um, but in essence, the difference between normal worry and having an anxiety disorder is how much impact it has on your life and, and the lives of those around you. Okay, thank you so much. So most people's worry at the moment is probably, is potentially their friends and family getting unwell. How can we cope with this like very specific worry? So at the moment, um, there's an understandable amount of anxiety um, which is going around. And really there is some good, sensible psychological advice um, that might help people um, perhaps 
become a bit less anxious, but importantly, not go on to develop a mental health disorder. So the first piece of advice is that um, one should really limit the amount of uh, exposure to worrying media stories. Um, the media um, usually tell stories that look exciting or that they look dramatic, uh, and therefore it's not always very easy to get a balanced, honest view of what's happening in the world if you just listen to the media. Um, Additionally, if you happen to use online uh, chat groups or you happen to uh, speak to other people who are themselves really anxious, that again can rub off on you. So the advice there is really at the moment, by all means, look at the news and uh, speak to people around you. But if you find that doing so is making you feel more anxious, then you should really limit your exposure to those sorts of things. On the other hand, we do have to know what's going on because the situation does change from day to day. And therefore, even when it's all confusing and feels somewhat out of control, I think we have to rely on the government advice that's given. So the thing to rely on is what's said on the NHS website or the Public Health England website. Those pieces of information, I think, are as reassuring and factually correct as they can be. But if you find that um, you are watching the media and it's causing you difficulties, then the simple thing to do is, is to switch it off. And since we are currently in lockdown, how do you feel that self-isolation could affect our mental health? There are a number of things you can do. As I said earlier, um, restricting your uh, exposure to the media is, is one good thing you can do to help with your anxiety. But there are other things that you can do at the moment. Now, even if you're in your own house and can't go out, there are lots of ways that you can stay connected to people. Um, so you might use the telephone, you might use email, you might use WhatsApp or Skype or, or something along those sorts of lines. Now, ordinarily in our lives, we might use those sorts of connectivity pretty rarely, just once in a while, because we tend to get social contact by going out and about, meeting people at work or in social settings. And that social contact is really good for us. It's, it's good for our psychological health. So if you happen not to be able to go out and meet people socially for whatever reason, then you should be really proactive uh, in the way that you uh, end up um, trying to connect with people. And by that, I mean that you should be trying to connect with people uh, on a really regular basis. And if you can end up having conversations or chats with them uh, using uh, remote means, that's a really good thing. Now that does two things. One is it may well help your own mental health because it gives you some social connectivity, but it also is likely to help someone else's mental health as well because other people may not feel that, that they can get in contact with you because none of us know how busy someone else is. So the message here at the moment is really make sure you pay particular attention to being really active in reaching out to other people and having conversations about whatever it is, including any worries or concerns you have. Another thing that can happen uh, when we're in a stressful situation, such as being in isolation, is that we can let our healthy behaviours sort of go downhill. And you might feel at this sort of time, well, you know, what's the point? I'll have another glass of wine or smoke another cigarette or I'll do some online gambling um, and so forth. Actually, we know that one's physical health very much affects one's mental health. And this, the period ahead, is really gonna be a time that you should pay particular attention to trying to keep to healthy habits. 
So what does that mean? It means keeping an eye on your addictive behaviours and alcohol and cigarettes and the like. It means making sure you get the opportunity to have a good night's sleep. Don't be watching the media till all hours of the morning. It means trying to eat more healthily uh, as much as you can, trying to take some exercise, whatever that might be. And also making sure once again that you try and do some of the things that you might enjoy, if that's reading a book or watching a film or, or whatever it might be. So pay particular attention uh, just at this time to trying to take care of yourself uh, physically and, and spiritually and emotionally by, by uh, looking after yourself. And the very last piece of advice is, of course, no matter what you do, some people unfortunately will go on and, and feel incredibly anxious or concerned or depressed. And if you feel that you're getting to that point, or if you know someone else who is getting to that point, you really should reach out and try and get professional help. Yes, at the moment, uh, the current pandemic is, is something that's affecting people's physical health, but we know that mental health is just as important. And if it gets to the point that you can't cope, or you know someone else who's not coping, make sure that you really reach out and, and speak to a, a healthcare professional and get the support that you need. So leading on from talking about self-isolation what is your specific advice for older people during this time because i feel like it will be especially difficult older people generally tend to be a bit more isolated anyway even before things like coronavirus come along so the difficulties that they're likely to face over the next few weeks and months are that actually they go from having very little contact to perhaps having almost no contact at all and because we know that social contact is really good for our mental health, this can be a problem. So the question is, you know, what can they do? Well, if you're an older person and you happen to be uh, technologically savvy, then this is the time once again to make sure that you stay in really good contact with all your normal social networks, maybe your families or your friends using WhatsApp and Skype and telephone and the like. However, if you're not very technologically savvy, and actually the idea of using some piece of technology to stay in touch rather than having a cup of tea frightens you, then this is a time to prepare for it. And that might mean uh, asking a friend or family member to, to show you what to do, um, or it might mean um, actually um, investing in a new piece of equipment, such as a simple tablet or a smartphone, and getting someone to help you put on perhaps one or two ways of staying in touch with a very simple button that you might have to just press one thing um, that can help. And if you've got uh, people who um, you know who, who are elderly and who are, who are likely to, to have limited contact over the next few weeks and months, then actually I think that this is a really good time to help them stay connected. Um, there may also be opportunities, depending on what the government allow us to do, for older people to perhaps go out at specific times, maybe to get food or, or, or exercise. Um, and if those opportunities come up, then I think you should absolutely take them, because um, it's really important um, to look after your mental health as well, particularly when you, you may be more isolated. Yeah, we definitely need to reach out to older people in our community and make sure that we can stay in touch and use video call and things like that. Yes, so, yeah. So another another important aspect of, of trying to help uh, people who who are who are more elderly is that if you know someone like that, then this is a time that you could actually help them you know, become a little bit more technologically savvy. 
So that might be going round to uh, help them practically or speaking to them on the phone to tell them how to download a particular app. But if you prepare well for being able to connect with others and actually use those connections well, then actually hopefully the, that will really have a good impact on your mental health and actually might leave you with some skills once this is all over that you didn't have before. So moving on to OCD, could you perhaps describe how someone might feel who is experiencing OCD at this time? So obsessive compulsive disorder, often known as OCD, um, often makes people who suffer with it be particularly uh, concerned about cleanliness. And one of the um, behaviours that people with OCD uh, quite often uh, have is that they wash their hands a lot. Now obviously at the moment a bit of hand washing is not a bad idea, we, we know that's a good thing. But people with OCD can end up washing their hands to such a degree that their skin begins to crack um, and that can create a lot of pain and soreness and actually potentially might make them more vulnerable to develop other health conditions. So if you do happen to have OCD or you're living with someone who has got OCD, I think it's a really good time to pay particular attention um, to the sorts of help that you've had in the past. So if you've had um, talking therapy before for OCD or if you've um, got resources, they might be booklets, they might be online websites that you've used that you found helpful, this is a time to really top up on them and make sure you refresh the skills and the knowledge that you've had in the past that's helped you recover. And when you're feeling more anxious and you notice that your behaviours are changing and you're becoming um, more um, keen on washing your hands or, or, or carrying out particular rituals, then actually you should definitely go back to those resources and, and, and use them. Because um, if they've helped you in the past, they should also help you now. And for those of us who are living with people uh, who have OCD, again, if we see them acting in a way that suggests they are their illness is becoming worse, we should really help them and encourage them to use the resources that they've used before. You might also consider um, having a refresher or a top-up session uh, with a therapist that you've helped, uh, that's helped you before. Um, this would be a good time to get in touch. And the good news is you could do that remotely over Skype or WhatsApp or, or something similar. Um, and you might also find that as this situation goes on, that actually some regular top-up sessions uh, could really help you stay on track and keep yourself healthy. But once again, if you find that things are really deteriorating and this is impacting upon your life or the lives of people around you, again, don't be afraid to ask for help if, if you really need it. Yeah, so carrying on from OCD, what is the difference between OCD and having health anxieties? Um, so as well as uh, OCD, uh, which is a mental health condition that is often characterised by people having um, difficult thoughts that come back into their mind uh, constantly, or by having uh, behaviours that uh, cause difficulty for themselves or others. Other people suffer from a range of health anxieties, um, and people who have health anxieties are often very focused on their physical health symptoms. So they, they pay particular attention perhaps um, to pains they might have, or they pay attention to their breathing or to muscle twitches, or to a number of other symptoms that actually affect all of us quite often, whether we're ill or not. So if you've got health anxiety, uh, or you've had it in the past, 
then it's pretty likely that over the next few weeks and months, the, the information you're going to hear about people's health is going to have an impact upon you. Uh, and that's probably going to make you more concerned uh, that you're suffering with this virus and that something bad's about to happen to you. So the, the thing to do about that is, first of all, to perhaps talk to people around you to suggest that it's going to happen because it, it may well do. But then just as importantly, as we said for OCD, this is a time to top up um, on things that have helped you in the past. Um, and again, that might be speaking to a therapist or a clinician who's, who's helped you. You can do that remotely or using online or written resources to try and top up the um, skills and knowledge that you've had in the past that's really made a difference. And if you live with someone uh, who, who has health anxiety, then absolutely please try and help them too. And if you spot them talking uh, about their health more than they used to, or you spot them behaving in ways that, that cause you concern, try and help them to, to take active steps to make a difference. And once again, if things really do get um, bad and they're persistent, then don't be afraid to ask for help because mental health services are available. So do you think if we do have OCD or health anxieties, we should be staying away from stuff that's triggering like social media and news channels? So at the current time, clearly the coronavirus uh, story is something that most media organisations are talking about all the time. And um, some of the information that they provide us is good factual information, but often it's pieces of information that will worry us. It's some expert who doesn't agree with the government's uh, approach to it, or it's some new piece of information about something that could happen or might happen. And when we watch these sort of stories, it's really understandable that it feeds into our own anxieties and concerns. So by all means, um, stay in touch with what's going on. But if you notice that actually you are becoming more anxious yourself and you're starting to pay attention to uh, information uh, that you think is relevant to you, when actually you kind of know in your head that it's really unlikely, that's a time to actually switch off uh, and to turn over to something that's uh, less worry uh, making and something that you might actually enjoy. The best place to get information about what is going on are, are the official websites and um, whatever your view is on, on the government and, and their approach to things, the country together has to stick to whatever the plan is. And websites such as the uh, National Health Service website or Public Health England are the best places to go for factual information and they will help you make good decisions about what you need to do to keep you and your family safe. In our interview with John Golden, we talked about how younger people having smartphones might be quite damaging. Do you think it's just as damaging for adults because you've got constant access to the news and you've got updates being sent to your phone? It can do, I mean, for sure. I mean, having a smartphone is one way that we can stay very well in touch with what's going on, the on in the world. That's a good thing most of the time. Um, but if we spend all the time you know, with the BBC app buzzing in our pocket about some new uh, announcement or some, some change which is going on, then again, that's going to fuel our anxiety and concern. Most of us actually find that whilst it's really good to have information to, to make plans and decisions on, actually we need a good period of time each day when we don't actually stay connected to that. Yeah. So you can go about interacting with your friends and your family, you can go about doing things that you like or watching a programme that may allow you to switch off. Those sorts of activities, the downtime activities, 
are really useful uh, and it's it's not helpful for most of us to stay connected to what's happening on a minute by minute basis and lastly how can we offer support to our friends families and colleagues at this time so at this time um, the best thing you can do to help those people that you know and you love your friends and your family and those around us is to make sure that you actively reach out to them on a regular basis so for instance if you're the sort of person who doesn't like to receive or send emails very much because you think you're bothering people actually this is a time to adjust that view um, this is a time to um, stay connected um, to have what might seem slightly meaningless conversations but they're ways of staying connected to people that you know and you love because in doing so uh, you will hopefully replicate the social networks that most of us get in our day-to-day -day lives and if there are people out there who you know you know live by themselves or, or are particularly isolated really I would suggest make an effort to try and reach out to them because you won't just be helping them you'll also be helping yourself um, and um, the best advice really therefore is is to use all the connectivity um, systems that you have in place to really stay in touch okay thank you so much that's been really helpful thank you if you would like to seek more information on covid19 and mental health please go to our website www.rcpsych.ac.uk and if you want to learn more on the guidance for clinicians patients and carers you'll find that there too and to stay up to date with any changes in policy, events, exams and training, follow us on Twitter where we post regular updates. Thank you for listening to the Royal College of Psychiatrists podcast.